This is CT Startup, your source for information on entrepreneurs, investors, and resources in the Connecticut startup ecosystem. From university campuses to industrial labs, from Stanford to Hartford, and from Danbury to Norwich, if it's happening out there in Connecticut, you'll find it in here. Now it's time to enter into a world of innovation, a world of human struggles, heartbreak, and achievement. And most of all, a world of wonder. Welcome to CT Startup. Hey, and we're back with Kate Berg. Uh, she's the co-founder, CEO, I'm assuming? No. Oh, COO. Okay. So co-founder, COO of Lifestyle CX. We're here at UConn TIP as a reminder. Um, Kate, welcome. Thank you very much. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about Lifestyle CX? I would be delighted. I have uh, two co-founders in um, Guilford, Connecticut as our CEO, Terry Sullivan and Brenda Lamone, who lives in the Massachusetts area, and I am in South Salem, New York. So we're a tri-state team, and we are headquartered in Connecticut and Guilford. And Lifestyle CX was founded on the vision of uh, Terry Sullivan, who has more than 10 years in the senior living space, and uh, found a real need for uh, better communication and personalization. Uh, the providers in senior living have a, a great mission to help their uh, residents and patients and clients, but they don't necessarily have the tools to do so. So our app is designed to help them know their customer better. I see, so it's a provider app. It is indeed, it is dual facing. It will be when it launches, so the consumer can use it for free. Okay. The app and the website is intended to provide better choice management, better um, transparency. Okay. And it's free for the consumer. Okay, so this, so this is actually very interesting because uh, prior to my my uh, my company now, I was actually in the senior living space. So oh, awesome. so as a, as a young person, this was always very interesting to be in it. And so I guess like so aging in place, right, and all this kind of stuff. And and so I guess like who are you when you say the customer? Are you talking about the person living in the facility or like the person putting that person in the facility? So that's a great question, and we are trying to be careful about how we talk because there's. <laughs> to customer size, yes, there is. and our clients are the providers of senior care, okay. and those senior care providers are professionals throughout the matrix of care, throughout the um, constellation you might call it, uh, from hospice to ass assisted living or physical therapists that come into your home to Alzheimer's and memory care, uh, all, all stages or all options that uh, a consumer might require for their care needs. Can I ask, how, in terms of, and I know I'm skipping ahead a few steps, but I'm curious, um, would a provider be able to take data from individual patients and make it collective and then produce segments that would allow the provider to better understand what type of sort of look-alike modeling a new patient you know, would fall into? So we're looking for someone on our digital marketing staff, and okay. we'd love to interview you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, okay, so, so never mind that. Why don't you tell me, um, what is the output then that a provider sees from the app? Absolutely, great question. It is uh, the, the main benefit, and we are driving the production uh, development of the software based on input from more than 30 uh, providers in the senior living space, mm -hmm. C-level and on down. So their need is to understand their uh, prospects and 
clients better. Um, and they, frankly, were starting in a simple way, creating a very simple to use survey um, app or website uh, use that enables them to understand, for example, the person that's walking through their door on Tuesday and taking a tour, what that person's particular interests are, okay, interests. their focus, their yeah. values. Okay. We're not talking about HIPAA data, mm -hmm. really. No. We're really talking about that personal, um, much like you might put uh, when you were looking at real estate or going to a boutique hotel. Um, there are a lot of things we can derive from data, but it's not being used uh, that uh, greatly in this industry to date. Okay. So we are uh, answering that call. I see. So, so you have 30 or so providers who are helping you create the CX part of the Lifestyle CX? They definitely provided input okay. for the design requirements for the uh, technology that's uh, underway. Great. Was there a lot of um, common uh, commonalities, as, or were you surprised at outliers when you asked them? For input. Without getting too detailed, I would say we were surprised at some of the large providers in the space not having any digital um, information. It, it is in uh, paper form. Yeah. Um, and that um, surprised us, uh, surprised me coming mm -hmm. from outside the senior care space. It did not surprise my co-founders who have spent many years in it. Um, we have a, uh, but in many ways, I, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've done um, deals in, in different sectors and Real estate I was in for a couple of years, and there are similarities there in terms of the adoption of technology to look at a previously traditional marketing and sales operation. That is the focus for us, ultimately, to help those providers um, market and know their customers better, to uh, meet their needs better, keep them uh, in the community longer if it's a senior living uh, environment. So it really, it really the, again, the CX kind of, you know, part of the lifestyle CX is how, what's the, how do you maximize the value add, right? You have the base level of care, but what's the value add that you're giving the, these people to actually get them into their, to, you know, th those communities? Yes. Is that rhetorical or are you asking No, me? no. I'm, 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 so I think the behavioral shift that, if this is what you're asking me, there is certainly a behavioral shift like any company or organization that adopts new uh, methods uh, in order to serve and, and sell uh, clients. They have to change some behaviors in the staffing and the team work in order to uh, absorb that great uh, information. Our goal as a startup at Lifestyle CX is to enable that in a way that is seamless mm -hmm. and fun and simple. Nice, nice. So uh, I presume, uh, and, and this is just coming from my, my experience in the industry, is that sometimes these, these organizations are very slow to move or they're, you know, innovation-wise, they're not willing to like take on a lot of, you know, kind of uh, new, new kind of uh, projects, I guess you can say. So tell us a little about your kind of experience with getting them to actually accept, you know, this kind of a change. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. And I, I don't know that I can give you examples from this. We're very early yep. stage now. We've just launched our beta into our first beta uh, partner mm -hmm. last week. The experience was a very positive one. The demo was very fluid and simple for the client to use. She received some surveys prior to our arrival, and she was acting as the customer in that situation who was about to take a tour mm -hmm. of the community. And uh, it went well for her, she was able to understand it from the customer side. Then on site, we switched roles and there was some role playing and, and, and the adoption for her was, was something that didn't require, you know, it wasn't like um, a CRM, mm -hmm. which is certainly a great tool, but it wasn't a deep and complex, it was much more lightweight for her to uh, enable it on site. 
but we are giving them control of the information that they need to serve their clients at every stage of, of their yep. care. So you are early stage, you know, mm -hmm. and you're, you're kind of going through the process, got your, you know, beta client and everything like that. So tell us about some of the, the challenges you've had uh, in Connecticut, or, or I don't even know if, it, if, if your clients are mostly in Connecticut or Massachusetts or New York, but tell us, you know, if you've had any challenges or even some of the, the things that uh, the startup ecosystem has actually helped you with. Yeah, I think the Connecticut uh, environment, while uh, certainly there are challenges, uh, we are feeling very uh, embraced by Connecticut Innovation, by uh, Peter Longo and, and uh, the, the team there. We have been speaking with them since the day we incorporated, and they have given us a clear understanding of what we need in order to receive uh, assistance from a financial perspective. In the meantime, we have been introduced uh, to uh, mentors and other folks. I've been a part of the Connecticut ecosystem almost my entire career. So for me, uh, Connecticut, ha I have a big soft spot for it. Um, Stanford Innovation Center, which uh, was a, a part of my uh, professional career for a few years as I was advising and consulting with them, has netted some great entrepreneurial contacts who had been through funding with uh, CI. Uh, and uh, I think so far, I'm feeling very positive about it. We're about to get uh, some interns from the universities from here. So I feel pretty strongly about Connecticut. Very cool, very cool. So kind of as you, as you progress down your, your journey and you, you find new clients and everything, what is, is there an ask you can, you can give to our you know, audience or to the Connecticut kind of scene? Are you looking for other um, you know, uh, service providers to try to test out your beta? Are you looking for consumers to start trying it out? That's a great, thank you for asking that. Uh, Eric, I think that at this moment, we're, uh, we're a little advanced of asking for consumers to pay attention. We will be launching the consumer-facing uh, side of the business in, uh, in the months to come, and that is called Lifestyle Sense. Okay. And uh, we would say, watch that space, and uh, we look forward to it in the meantime. Providers are really uh, a great focus for us to, to get the word out if you are in the space or know people who have a uh, home care agency with a few different locations. We are not geographically bound here. This is where we are located. So we would love to be able to work with innovative, open-minded uh, agencies or communities or, or companies that own uh, different types of care uh, so that we can try it out in those environments. We also are uh, going to be going to market with uh, employee assistance programs. Uh, so that's another one. Great Connecticut company, mm -hmm. Life Care, Life Mart. We've met with them, and they're very interested in working with us early on. All right, That's very cool. Well, Kate, thank you very much for telling us a little thank bit about LifeCX, and uh, we look forward to seeing the progression of it. I thank you all very much. Thanks, Kate. All right, so we're, we're still here at TIP on the CBG event with Brian Fuller and Samantha Kecko of SIGPAY, Inc. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you? Good, good. So uh, so apparently you guys have been, or Brian has been on the podcast before. I obviously was not in the room because I don't remember you. Yeah, we do. I, I, feel, uh, like, I, feel, like, I feel like I got to remember a person like yourself. Eric kind of got left behind way. on that yeah. one. Uh, we had a very fun time without him, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, some, for some reason, people tell me I'm unforgettable. <laughs> yeah. Unforgettable. There it is. So, uh, so, so Brian, tell us a little bit about SIGPAY and uh, why, why you're so unforgettable. <laughs> well, uh, to kind of touch on what we talked about last time, um, SigPay is a new social platform that is turning the everyday social media user into a paid nano influencer for local businesses. So we'll take a social media user, no matter how many followers you have, how many friends on Facebook, doesn't matter. As long as you can engage an audience and get them to go try local businesses in your area, you can make anywhere from $25 up to $250 per campaign with us. And there's no limit to how many campaigns you can run per week. 
Okay. So, so, okay. Tell me a little bit more. What, what does that actually mean? Because, you know, an influencer, right? I mean, usually the influencer is like taking scandalous photos of myself, you know, traveling to Nobody wants away, to you pay know. you for those pictures. <laughs> you never know. My hair, I could, I could do some serious stuff with the he hair. He does product. have glorious so, hair. So, so tell me a little bit about like, what does that actually mean to be an influencer? Or, so, or more specifically, a nano influencer? A nano influencer is really just defined by the amount of inf- or followers that you have. Okay. Um, nowadays, though, I mean, I'm seeing people in college, you know, we, we have a college ambassador program where, a lot of these, you know, people recruited influencers have, you know, 1,200 followers, but every single time they put up a picture, a selfie, a, a food blog, or whatever, they're averaging almost four or 500 likes per post, which is typically a number you see on influencers that have, you know, 10, 12, 20,000 followers. So nano influencing is essentially just taking an influencer that has under 5,000 followers, someone who major brands don't typically approach to help monetize their engagement. And turning them into a paid influencer for a small business who actually values their opinion on a local level. Okay. Simple as that. So, so almost like a marketplace for, for the brands to actually connect with these people? Exactly. What, what typically happens is we use commission salespeople to approach businesses in the area. Um, whether it's a cafe, a deli, a restaurant, a bar, a fit cycle studio. doesn't matter. If it's a small business, we can work with you. That business will purchase a team of influencers. Anywhere from 5 to up to 40. So on average, we typically sell a package of 10 influencers for $599. 10 influencers that walk into your store, let's call it a restaurant. If your ticket price is about 60 bucks on average, you've now made your investment back on just the influencers walking in the door to create content for you. Now they're gonna- Hold on, so, they're gonna, so the influencers are, are, are gonna pay for it. They're not, they're not gonna be like the ones that we saw on that, that social media post where, I, I don't know if you know about it, but the, the girl that got famous for uh, writing to the, uh, the hotel and was like, oh, I'm, give a, me I'm a, a social- Give me a free room. Give me a free room. And they were like, F you, man. Get right. I can give you a free room. Right. So um, they're not going to get a meal completely for free, but they do get discounts. Okay. Uh, we, we use incentive programs to That's make fine. sure that yeah. okay. you know, they're, they're getting a benefit. But when it boils down to it at the end of the campaign, they're making money. Yeah. So you know, even if they go in and spend you know, 60 bucks, we'll give them half off, whatever the restaurant decides to do. And at the end of the campaign, depending on how many people they can get in the door and how many impressions they have across their platforms, then they can make upwards of you know 250 bucks on some campaigns and see that's that's the key is that you're kind of you're you're saying listen you know we start you out here but you know you got to work for it a little bit we're not just signing you're not just signing up anybody right you, there's a, there's a certain like uh you know how do you decide these influencers how do you find these people oh let's go man there are so many different methods that we use to recruit um we have we have teams of people who are dming random people on instagram that we see are out you know promoting local restaurants um, we have a college ambassador program. We go to different events all across the state of Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Um, and to be honest, there's just, you know, SIG stands for Social Influencing Gorilla Group. You know, oh, we use... We use gorilla Marketing, little Seth going in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I was, gonna, I was wondering about the SIG and SIG pay, but... Yeah, huh? See, I was going to keep that a secret for a while, but CT Startup heard it first. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you heard it here first. <laughs> Um, but no, we, I mean, we were taking guerrilla marketing tactics and using them on a digital platform and it's been tremendously beneficial for us. Right. Tremendously. So we're, we're, we're hyped about it. Nice. Nice. So Samantha, you're, you're an admin on, on the platform. So what does that mean? Yes. I get to learn a little bit about everybody's job and whenever anybody needs help, anybody needs something to get done. I am the one that you ask for. Nice. So you mean social media influencer or, or Brian? Everybody. <laughs> Everybody. So, Everybody. Yeah. Brian seems like you might need a handler from time to time. <laughs> right. I am so <laughs> last time you met uh, Carly, who was our VP of social media partnerships um, and strategies. So Carly is essentially the app before the app is launched. She tracks all the data. She does a lot of the recruiting stuff. So Samantha as an admin comes on and learns how to do all that. So if that way our actual app fails and then Carly the app fails, 
we have Samantha to make sure that we can still track all of his data. Okay. So Samantha's sure. a living, breathing backup app. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Nice. Nice. So, so the, these these influencers, right? So influencers are, are a little interesting right now because they have their own point of view. They're doing their different kind of stuff. How does that play into this whole whole mix? Oh, it works out perfectly, actually. So when you log into our mobile app okay. as an influencer, you can log in as an influencer or a business. As an influencer, when you're setting up your profile, you have to select up to 10 what we call meta tags, whether it's restaurants, hospitality, lifestyle, health and beauty, fitness, et cetera. Okay. And, the business, and the business will do the exact same thing. So that way, we're not going to have a health and wellness influencer marketing for you know, the poutine food truck down the street or the, you know, the sloppy burger joint. We want to make sure that the content on your page is relevant to the business that we're promoting for. Because otherwise, you know, if we're disengaging your audience, what good are you as an influencer? Yeah. We want to make sure that the content's relevant. And, you know, we have a couple of safe, safe holds to make sure that we're uh, getting the, the right audience to the, the right business. Nice. So, so uh, I know I wasn't here again for it, but give us a little backstory about how this guy, the, this guy got going. And then, like, why were you an influencer or were you just following all the influencers? Like, Honestly, geez, there's, there's something there. I was never even a big social media guy. Um, it wasn't until Instagram launched the 60-second 60, 60 video or a 60-second video on their platform and I started looking the at the... vine killer? Exactly. The vine killer. <laughs> it wasn't until that, and uh, I actually went out to a YouTube conference in Los Angeles with a friend of mine a while back, and I met a, a very big YouTube star who I have to... Logan know. Paul? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you, don't, you don't gotta do it. Logan Paul, we'll talk about influencers there, right. and how, not what not to do. And we're right. just all the way off the rails. <laughs> but you know what, though? I, I will say one thing. You know, for... In Logan Paul's defense, you know, that takes... The guy's got a team of X amount of people. How do you not catch that? You know, I mean, influencers nowadays, especially these major YouTube stars that have millions of followers, it's not just them being influencers anymore. You have an entire team of people surrounding you to make sure that you protect the revenue. How did nobody say in. this is a bad idea? Well, that's, well, that's well, exactly. well, first that's of all, him, him and Jake have done something that nobody else has done. They've created a business around outside of it. You know what I'm right, saying? Like Maverick, Maverick merchandise. They've done something that they have done, which again, YouTube, they were protecting him from a lot of things. You well, know what I'm it's, saying? They it's were, funny, actually. One of my really good friends, I've known the guy for years, he was a, a major player in, in marketing and partnerships. And, you know, you, you've probably seen him. His name's Mike Malak. He uh, works for Lovesack. He, um, okay. And he was one of those guys who got the major loves, the big fluffy uh, beanbag chairs oh, okay. out to Logan Paul and they formed a relationship and now he does a ton of work with his team. And Mike was the first person I ever bounced this idea off of. And, you know, he was the big social media guy. He was the only, you know, at the time person involved with influencers that I knew. So he kind of guided me in the direction. And, you know, back when I first came up with this idea, it was a very, very different concept. It was very similar to what you know, these other apps are now. It's, you know, micro-influencers. If you have 25,000 plus followers, you know, enroll in our app and we'll connect you with major brands. Mm -hmm. And as we explored it and realized that the competitive market and the space was so massive now, we, you know, we had to kind of revisit, we had to pivot and find a space that we could operate in where we'd be unique. We could find under the radar for a little bit of time. And this model fit perfectly in the nano-influencing for local businesses. So that's what we ended up moving to. We had to restructure how we'd pay everybody, uh, commissions for salespeople, yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, the model that we have now has been very successful. We've launched a ton of great campaigns. And now that we have the app launching on March 9th and iOS on Android, nice little plug, by the way, yep. feel free to download and see exactly what we can do. Mm -hmm. um, we have you know, an algorithm that we use and you know, we, we weight out the values of different metrics here and there. And obviously the most valuable metric is the ability to get somebody in the door. So I could care less if an influencer gets one like on each platform, but they get 20 people to walk in the door. To me, that's the most value as an influencer. Yeah, we're a social media marketing agency and you know these brands and these companies we work with want to have an online awareness, but ultimately it's about dollar signs. They want new customers in the door that they couldn't reach throughout through their own social media marketing strategies and that's the solution that we offer. Nice, nice. 
So I guess if you could have an ask from our, our audience, what, what would that be? Oof, <laughs> that's a scary one. Sign um, up. I was just going to say download up. the app. Hashtag SigPay. <laughs> Become download an influencer. Go to www.sigpay.com. Um, scroll down to the bottom of the page and you can be registered to become an influencer. If you are a small business owner and it can be a brick and mortar location, e-commerce, you can be selling t-shirts out of your trunk. We can help you build your business. Call us. We'll get a free consultation for you. Explain exactly how we can help you grow your business. And most importantly, download the app on March 9th. It's going to be live on iOS and Android at midnight. All right, that's Very an cool. excellent plug. There we go, Brian. Boom. Brian Smith, thanks for coming thank you very back. Much. Thank Guys, thanks so much for having us. Thank you. All right, so we're still here at the uh, CBG event here at TIP, and our, our last podcast today is going to be with Kelly Pierre-Louis. Yes! Look at that. I, I got it. Boom. It took oh, Eric several times. Like, Pierre-Louis. <laughs> Boom. Got it. I was um, scared. Okay. And you are from The Man Defined. All right. Yes. So, like I said before, I, I would have presumed it would have been the woman defined, but mm -hmm. so let's hear the, stere the, the story, <laughs> the story, the story about why it's the man, the the, the, the man defined. Yeah. So essentially, it's the man defined because it's focused on men, um, even though it's created by women, and I've been a woman for as long as I've known myself. Well, that's good. So, so it actually started. I get this question a lot, honestly, which actually brings up another point, um, which we can get to, but. When I was, so I'm a marketing executive by trade. Okay. Oh, I knew I liked you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was at a media company about three years ago running their marketing department. And in just by analytics, I uh, created a, a small digital program, um, which was focused on black millennial men in business. And within seven months of that program, uh, which essentially I started from scratch, from zero dollars, it grew into a multi-million dollar franchise for that company within seven months. So with that, I saw that there was a market opportunity and I knew that I wanted to build something a lot more global um, that focused on men in this market because really from a marketing or advertising standpoint, like we're not at the table thinking about what men of color and sort of even that demographic is is thinking about. Um, so I wanted to create a platform that really enabled that mode of thinking to bring this demographic front and center. So that's why I created The Man Defined. Okay, so so The Man Defined, so you, you said like men of color, but what about women with color? Like, so, so there wasn't that kind of same representation when you were doing this with the other company or would you, is yeah. that just a, a bigger market kind of segment that you can go after? No, it's, it's all, they're all different markets, okay. right? So even when you think about multicultural right so from and i'm i'm speaking from my experience and sort of on the back end of things when you talk about multicultural you're talking about women of color because we do spend uh, the um the most um from from an overall consumer based standpoint we're the we're highly educated etc we make the, uh, the most purchasing decisions in the household um you're thinking about the latin market which is mostly comprised of latin women mm -hmm. of course um so, so even multicultural, in a sense, from a branding or marketing standpoint, it's very limiting. Okay. And for this particular demographic, there is a market opportunity of over $2.7 billion globally. So this is something that no one, essentially no one is looking at. And when I created this program at this other media entity, I realized that there was such a gap. And just seeing the impact firsthand of this audience and just what a small program, which eventually grew into, um, now they have a conference that's attached to it. And, you know, it grew into a 10-city tour. Um, you know, I brought on various other brands that bought into this demo with their, you know, a multinational, uh, you know, expansive brands, et cetera. So it's very lucrative in that sense. But also it's such a missed demo that, no, like, no one is paying attention. So, you know, for example... 
you have companies that are coming up just looking at, and when you look at this market opportunity, companies like Bevel, right, that literally created an entire market um, just for men of color and that they a whole grooming system. Is that Tristan? Uh, Tristan, Tristan okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Yep. So like you know, to the point where Gillette was coming after them. You know what I mean? Be- Tristan Walker, right? He he noticed it and he he this whole yeah. thing came up because it's again a man of color, right? Yeah. It was, again. But no, it's understanding that there are targeted products that are needed for this specific okay. demo that's not top of mind originally, mm-hmm. right? So the way that you market the actual needs of this consumer, the actual need of this audience specifically, even their point of view. If you talk about mainstream media and how men of color are represented, um, you know the the depth of that is not too deep. Mm-hmm. If you talk about men of color, period, the first image that you have in your mind is what. Basketball players. Okay. And what, like, even. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. About, so, so, no, no, yeah. no. Let's be honest. No, I mean, if, I don't, if, yeah, yeah. If you're thinking about a, a man of color, what is the first image? What is the skin tone? What is, what is the, what does this person look like? Honestly, I, I think I, I think of like a, a a rapper who is a businessman. You know what I'm saying? Like again, I yes. so it's like that. So that's kind of the way I see it. You know. So and and that's not anything to be because that's how essentially we are all conditioned to see. Right? There is not a platform where they're the point of view. You're able to expand on that point of view. It's kind of how we've been uh, almost trained, conditioned. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's because where do we get our information from? Mainstream media. What is mainstream media comprised of? Television, digital, um, what's fed to us through advertising, et cetera. So in order to change that, we actually have to go in and inculcate ourselves into that demographic, um, into that, into those mediums and show that point of view. So what the Man Defined does is provide that safe space where it's a platform where you can talk about, you know, we have several... We have several things that we do on the Man Define. One is through our premium content, right? So that's, we actually have original programming where we actually create, we call them almost series or shows um, that talk about different segments. So one of them is uh, is called Inside Out. TMD presents Inside Out where men and they, when men come and they talk about their struggles, with um with mental illness, et cetera, but then they talk about their triumph from that. Where else can you go and get these types of conversations? That's not judgmental. That's positive, but it's also honest. That, that is a conversation that just doesn't happen plain anywhere enough. You know what I mean? And it that's doesn't act- happen. It just doesn't happen. And so that's actually you know again a very unique perspective that you're bringing to the market. It doesn't happen, and these conversations are expansive, right? So you can talk about mental illness, but we also have um. A partnership with Black and Abroad, who um, you know, they go and they show people of color all across the world, mm-hmm. right? So these are founded by two Black men, um, but we can we can have those conversations of showing, you know, men of color all across the world and sort of their perspectives, and then they talk about something as deep or as introspective or as private or personal as mental illness. So it runs the gamut, and we focus on technology lifestyle, health and wellness, and business overall. So you'll get to see, you know, the basketball players. We actually have a partnership with the NBA as well as the American Heart Association. Um, And then we're locking in a few really, really huge partnerships um, by the end of this month and next month. So... It's major. So, but, so let me ask you, why, why the partnership with the NBA and the Heart Association? Is it is it because, and, and this yeah, is, Because those, right? are, those are two very so, different so, uh, associations. Yeah. So, so and I'm just going to make a, a big presumption here. Yeah. Is, is one of them, because the American Heart Association, they don't actually reach, or don't reach black males in the sense of like, they don't like saying why heart, you know, yeah. kind of heart risk and, you know, heart disease, yeah. how it's such a big issue and how your lifestyle can change that. And then with basketball, right? It's like, again, again it's not, 
like again, I think about LeBron James, right? Yeah. LeBron James, I'd look at him more of like an entrepreneur than I do as a basketball player right now. Mm-hmm. So it's like him outside the basketball, kind of him in the community and how he's a leader. Kind of is yeah. that is that why you have these partnerships with these organizations? One again, it's to show the breadth, right? It's mm-hmm. to show the the um, the gamut in which these perspectives and the and these individuals who are part of these industries like to show the gamut. You can be a doctor, or you can be a basketball player, yeah. and these partnerships are important. And what we find ourselves being of service with the, some of these companies is because they don't necessarily have not only the manpower, but they don't necessarily focus on these demographics specifically. So like the NBA, we are showing the person behind the basketball persona. Um, With the American Heart Association, we're talking directly to these doctors of color who are running these operations, who are running these, um, you know, really strong programs that are focused on heart health. So it's, it's really looking at a human first approach. So the same thing that I say with a lot of our partners right now who we're solidifying, it's a human first approach. This is someone who is a, a person who happens to p- play basketball. This is a person who happens to be a neurosurgeon. So it's looking at their story and really bringing in that multi multidimensionality that's non-existent when you're talking about mainstream media today, when you're specifically talking about men of color. Right, we're going to end it there. Kelly, but, thank yeah, you so, so much. Awesome. Yeah, where can, where, can, uh, yeah. where can people engage with you? <laughs> so it's... Uh, triple dub themandefine.com and on insta we're actually relaunching our insta and facebook and our, our social platforms it's at themandefined.com for myself i'm at miss kelly p that's m-s-k-e-l-y-p but i'm really boring on social media because i work so much so exactly so <laughs> me too exactly. very nice well kelly it was so very much. nice thank you so here. much this is a great time thank you thank you for listening to ct startup More Connecticut startup news, information, and events can be found at ctstartup.com. The weekly episodes of this podcast can be downloaded from iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and ctstartup.com. Finally, we would like to thank both Sublime Exposure Online and Mirtha Kalima for providing resources and space to CT Startup, which make this show possible. See you next week.